In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, in whom we live and move and have our being. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a guy I've mentioned, uh, I think, several times in sermons right now. His name is David Foster Wallace. Uh, he is a guy who wrote a big, thick book called uh, The Infinite Jest. And uh, David Foster Wallace's uh, big, thick book is, is sort of, it's the epitome of, of postmodern literature. And it is um, this really sort of hard thing to read, hard, hard thing to, to understand. It has, it's one of the few novels in the world that has footnotes, and, and there's probably as much footnotes as there is actual novel. And uh, he, he just kind of takes you on this meandering journey uh, with him. And uh, part of the reason for that is, is he's writing this novel in order to get across a certain uh, set of truths that he sees in the world. And David Foster Wallace, uh, right before he actually committed suicide, he was invited to give the commencement address at a place called Kenyon College, a, a place that um, is not a large university, but it's certainly a prestigious university. And as he was giving this address, he started to work out the question of worship, really. Because he started to talk about what it was like to live as a human being in this world and what the dangers were of living as a human being in this world. And he started to tell these people that were graduating from this college that they were in a dangerous spot because the danger that they were facing was that they would feel like they were able to address the world with their intellect and that that would save them from all manner of bad things happening to them. And he said that that's dangerous specifically for this reason. He said a huge percentage of the stuff that I tend to be automatically certain of is, as it turns out, totally wrong and deluded. Here's one example of the utter wrongness of something I tend to automatically be sure of. Everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe. I am the realest, most vivid, and important person and in existence. He goes on to say that that temptation to see yourself as the center of the universe is not something that happens just at big moments in your life, but that the greatest moments of temptation to see yourself as the center of the universe is in the ordinary. It's in the mundane. It's getting up in the morning. It's going to work. It's coming back from work. It's going to the grocery store. And in those moments, you are most likely to see the entire world around you as revolving around your own existence, as revolving around your own personality. There's something to that, isn't there? That generally speaking, that in the everyday, day-to-day kind of thing that we do, 
we walk around and we go, oh, well, okay, well, everything that is happening here is happening because of me. In the movie The Truman Show, you get a sense of this, where the character Truman is actually a part of a great television experiment, where it is reality TV that Truman doesn't know that he's participating in. Truman has been raised as a child in the midst of a very large television studio, and they've just been following him around with cameras, and everybody else in his existence is a paid actor who is paid to be there in order that Truman can have experiences, and that those experiences then can be displayed on television. Well, I think there's a lot of times where we get suckered into thinking that maybe we're Truman. That maybe everything that is around us is just here so that other people can watch what is truly at the center of this show. And what's truly at the center of this show is me. And so if I go into that line of thinking, you are all here in order to hear me give you a sermon. Or if we flip that, and this is all about you, that I am here simply as a character in your life in order to provide you with a sermon which maybe or maybe not will provide some next action in your life. That's what David Foster Wallace is telling us, that we are in danger of doing all the time. Because when we do that, we set ourselves up as the center of the universe, and the thing that is supposed to be at the center of our universe isn't us. Now, David Foster Wallace wasn't a Christian, but he did recognize that there was something to the people that he knew that had faith in something that was outside of them. And that something was specifically that it was something that was outside of them. That it wasn't, they weren't worshiping something that was inside of them. And he goes on to say that that is where the true danger lies. Is when you start to worship Yourself. And worship simply means that you are the center of your own universe. And so he said, if the center of your universe is your own intellect, it won't take you very long to start thinking that you don't know anything. If the center of your universe is your own sexuality, it won't take long for you to think that you're not very attractive. If the center of your universe is your morality, it won't take very long before you begin to behave immorally. 
that it has to be something outside of yourself. And I think what David Foster Wallace was recognizing there was that we cannot withstand the pressure that we are supposed to be able to put on the thing that we call God. Because we put a lot of pressure on God. And that pressure that we put on God that has to be applied to something that can take the heat, that can take the pressure, that can take what we dole out. And our own intellects and our own morality and our own sexuality and our own power and our own anything is not going to be able to stand up to the pressure that we need to be able to put on a God. Paul is recognizing that as he's walking around the streets of Athens and he is hearing all of these philosophers talk about what life is all about and he's talking to the David Foster Wallaces of his day as they talk about what the human problems are and how to address those human problems, the Stoics and the Epicureans, trying to figure out, okay, what is this life all about and how do we resolve those problems? How do we understand what is at the center of those things? And as he's walking around, he's noticing that they're very religious. But he's noticing that there's something strange about their religion, that the strange thing about their religion is that in many ways, what they're worshiping is mirrors. Because they have these gods that are gods that are simply reflections of human characteristics. So he's noticing that they have gods that reflect the human characteristics of the glory of war human characteristics of the glory of love, human characteristics of the glory of intelligence, human characteristics of all sorts of different things. He's walking around and he's noticing that these idols, these are not going to be able to withstand the pressure that you need to be able to put on God. But then he finds something interesting. He finds this altar to the unknown God, as if they were covering their bases, going, well, it looks like this isn't everybody, so here's the guest slot. And Paul takes the opportunity. He says, let me tell you about this unknown God. This unknown God is unknown for a reason, and that reason is that he's not a mirror of you. He's not a mirror of one of your traits, of one of your characteristics. He's not a mirror of something that is laudable inside of you. He is other than you. And you've been grasping around looking for this God. And the reason that you haven't found him is that he's not your reflection. He is something else. In fact, you're designed to be his reflection. Not the other way around. Well, Luther, when he 
is writing out his seven marks of the church, seven things that the church is. He says one of the things that marks the church is that the church has public prayer and worship. Which I think at some level we go, well, yeah. And actually, Luther, when he's writing out his list, he he sort of, there's no more than a paragraph for this one. Because I think everybody, especially in Luther's culture, was saying, well, yeah. But I think in our culture, it's probably a much bigger deal. Because in our culture, I hear at least much of the time, people saying stuff like, well, I really love God, but I don't go to church because, well, I, I don't need church to have God. Which on one level, I totally get what they're saying and all of that, but there's a reason that we come together here and worship. And... A part of what happens when we come together here in worship is that it's different than a walk in the park or a walk in the woods, which is usually what people are talking about when they are saying, I don't need to go to church. And the reason for that is that this gathering is designed, completely designed in order to get you out of the center of your own universe. That from the moment that we start, that we say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we don't include ourselves in that, to the moment that we confess our sins and we own up to the fact that we are not our own God and we would make horrible gods because we just did all of these sins all of this week or all of this month. To hearing God's word, to receiving God's own body and blood. That the whole point of what is going on today is God is kicking you out of his seat. For your own good. Because you can't handle it. That's what David Foster Wallace finally ended up becoming prey to. He recognized that he would constantly slip back in his life to becoming his own God. That he said, there, I have tried and there is no way for me to get out of this struggle. I always slip back into this place where I am the center of my own universe. And because he felt like he was the center of his own universe, and because he felt like he was a sinful human being in the midst of the center of that universe, there was no hope. And out of the absence of that hope, he took his own life. Because you cannot handle being in God's place. Because what is God's place? That 
is God's place. That cross is God's place. Dying for you, paying for you, paying for all of your sins, paying for all of the times where you thought that you were the middle of your own universe, paying for all of the things that you did out of thinking that you were the center of your own universe. That is God's place. And God does not allow you to be there. He says, move. That's mine. Instead, take my place. And be with me forever. And isn't it amazing that what happens when he promises us that we have a forever with him? Isn't it amazing? I used to think that this was totally lame. That he says that when you're with me forever, what are you going to be doing? Well, you're going to be worshiping. Which I was like, I, I don't like singing. I don't like playing the harp. I, you know... Can we do something else? But there's something to that. And it doesn't have to be singing or playing the harp, by the way. But what God is saying, when He is saying that for eternity we are going to be worshiping Him, what He's saying is that for eternity we don't have to have the weight of the world on our shoulders. We don't have to have the weight of the universe on our shoulders. We can just be us. And being us is being loved by God. And isn't that a great place to be? So this week, may you get out of God's place. May you stop being the center of your own universe and may you put Him in the center instead. And out of that, may you feel the natural joy, freedom, and love that comes from not being the center of your universe and your own God. Amen.